1: 6:30, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on 6:30, Chad. Agent Hopkins, left
2: circle, wrist shot, score, trick, right. Harris takes a snap, draws back, he throws. That's complete and a big gain for the Eskimos. It's Ricky Collins Jr. again. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams.
1: This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad.
2: Well, trying to look on the bright side with the weather lately, I heard Eileen say something about a 30% chance of showers. That means 70% chance it won't rain. We'll take that, right? I guess we have to the way it's been lately. Hearing the forecast, looking at the forecast online, seems there's always at least a 30% chance uh, of rain lately. Obviously tough for those of you who like to get out and golf, and I'm sure many of you have had uh, evening activities Affected If you're playing baseball, slow pitch, soccer or have uh, kids in those sports, I imagine there have been some postponements and alterations to the schedule over the last couple of weeks. But uh, nonetheless, we plow through the summer. It is the 2nd of July, the day after free agency opened up in the National Hockey League and the Edmonton Oilers did make it official today. Gaetan House coming over from Switzerland. Now, Ken Holland came out yesterday with his availability and this player's name has been out there for a few weeks. as a a possibility to to come to the Oilers. And Holland, when he spoke yesterday, said they've agreed to terms, but the contract, not quite official yet. They still have to iron out some things and uh, cross all the T's, dot all the I's, that kind of stuff. So that happens today. So uh, another player coming over from Europe to try it in the NHL. Now, the Oilers are going to have Joel Pearson. On the blue line, most likely, he's been their property for a while and uh, some good reports with how he's been playing in Sweden. Joachim Niegaard coming over from Sweden, uh, a fast player. Does he have a skill set otherwise that can translate into being a good NHLer? We're going to find that out. And uh, now Gaetan House coming over from Switzerland. Here is GM Ken Holland on this player.
1: Well, I was at the Worlds in 2018, um, along with Yuri Fisher, when I was with the Red Wings, and we watched him play. And we uh, um, talked to his agent at that point in time about him possibly coming over to join us in Detroit. Um, he had a contract uh, with his with his club team in Switzerland that he could not get out of. There's no relationship uh, between the Swiss and the NHL, so the the the, the, the contract had to be honored. And this year, uh, his contract was up, and I know there's. Uh, a number of teams that were talking to him um, about signing with him. I know at the end there it got down to about three or four teams, and I think you know he looked at the opportunity here uh, on our team. He's a right shot centerman. He's 26 years of age. He's played in the Worlds the last couple of years. Played in, the, I think he played in the Olympics. He, you know, he's a little bit under a, point a game in the in the Swift League. It's it's uh, so he, he shoots right. He's got some skill. He can skate, and uh, we're hoping he can come over and. Uh, Grab a spot.
2: All right. Well, we'll we'll see. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to turn cartwheels over this player coming over, but the Oilers trying to bring in players who uh, are, they aren't, they aren't going to have to pay a lot and who maybe have a skill set that can help in some way, as, as Ken Holland says and, as, and other general managers have said, you have to have some sort of a dimension. You have to have something you do really well and hopefully no glaring weaknesses, and then maybe you can be a depth player on the lineup. Right shot, center, maybe can win some face-offs, can skate well, help with the overall team speed for the Oilers, which uh, was a weakness certainly the last couple of years. And uh, one that is going to need to be addressed that can help with the four check and hopefully can help with the penalty killing. Speed is great. Can you do something? once you get there, once you get to your destination with your speed, are you able to make an impact? And I think that's going to be a question for Haas, for Nigard, for some of the uh, players that they've signed here, specifically these guys coming over from Europe. So another name to follow, another name to get to know as we count down to the Edmonton Oilers season. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It 6:10. My name is Reed Wilkins inside sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Shed The Eskimos are on a bye. Their next game is Thursday the 11th when they visit Mike Riley and the BC Lions. It'll be six o'clock countdown to kick off on this radio station and then the game will start at eight we do have the eskimos coaches show tonight we pushed it back from monday to tuesday because of the holiday yesterday and our free agent uh, coverage we did have a live edition of inside sports for you where uh where we broke down free agency you heard from mike smith you heard from marcus graslin uh, pat steinberg was on the show who covered Mike Smith with the Flames for the last couple of seasons. And, you know, Pat made an interesting comment yesterday. Now, I've made a lot of Smith's save percentage from last year, only 8.98. As Pat said, it was in the 8.80s for about two-thirds of the season, and then he finished strong. And what he said about Smith was the more he played, the better he played. And I felt for Koskinen last year with the Oilers – the more staggered his starts were, I thought the better he played. He obviously had a really good run in December, when uh, the Oilers changed coaches. They went nine-two and two under Hitch. The goaltending was a big part of that, Koskinen and Talbot. But uh, what were at one point Koskinen was what seven seven home games in his career as an oiler, and he had three shutouts in those games. So he had an excellent start. Then I thought he showed some fatigue and showed some weaknesses later on in the season, and he didn't get a lot of rest after the the trade deadline, but but even his last game in Calgary after he'd missed the previous game had a pretty good night uh, against Mike Smith and the Flames. So uh, goaltending going to be a major story here for the uh, Oilers moving forward. Uh, Okay. The Big L texting into 6.30, 6.30. He says, Reed, I think these show-me contracts are a much better approach for the upcoming season as a pair, as compared to the knock-it-out-of-the-park contracts from the previous regime. Well, a fair comment. Um, you know, look, we when the Oilers signed Milan Lucic, I think we all knew that was a long deal. I never would have guessed we'd be sitting here after year three, talking about a year and a half of virtually no production, especially relative to what he's getting paid and still has four years left on it. Uh, you know, Chris Russell got a, a four-year deal, obviously, a couple of years ago. These aren't, you know, these aren't star players coming in. Chason's back for a couple of years. Grandlin got a year. Smith got a year. You have these Europeans at the age of 26, 27, coming in on, on entry-level deals. Uh, Jujar Kara gets a two-year contract. He was a restricted free agent. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably, well, I wouldn't say probably, that's a, a better way to build a team in the NHL. You commit to the key players. You commit to your stars, and, and the Oilers obviously have two big stars that they've committed to long-term. Can they round out the roster around those players? But you got, But still, if any team's going to go far, you've got to have the goaltending. Because every team's going to make mistakes, every team is going to have off nights, and even really, really good teams have weaknesses that can be exploited as you get deeper into the playoffs. And the, the two goalies who went head-to-head in the Stanley Cup final were outstanding throughout the postseason. And then when it came down to one game, Innington was better than Rask, especially in the first period, to help the Blues get a 2-0 lead. So that's where I, I still worry about the Oilers. Now, they're committed to Koskinen for three years beyond this. Mike Smith just coming up on the one-year one, one show-me deal. Maybe something else changes during the season. Maybe a, a, an Oilers goalie in in the farm, whether he's in the AHL, the ECHL, if you're looking at Sterrett, if you're looking at Skinner, if you're looking at Wells, maybe one of those guys Develops over the course of the season, where where maybe next year you're talking about them as a as a possible backup. So yes, all things to consider, and yeah, fair comment by Big L. These show me contracts perhaps a better approach than uh, than overpaying in terms of term and in terms of dollars. Uh, John says, uh, Reed, trying to decide which forwards on the current Oilers roster should make up the top six.
0: Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
2: Is like trying to decide which cactus to wipe your butt with. That's pretty good, Kellen. Did you hear that one? Yeah, that's a prickly situation. That that really is. Uh, John goes on to say there's no right answer. You just try to pick the least painful option. Well, John, you're right. And that's been a big discussion point. And I, just for fun, did, did goal project projections for the upcoming season. And I, I didn't have uh, anybody over 15 besides the big three that, that you would expect. It'd be nice to get some guys closer to 20. You know, look, maybe Cassian's a good compliment to subtle and Nugent Hopkins. We, we are still sitting here saying, or pardon me, to Drysaddle and McDavid. We are still hit, sitting here saying... Who plays with Nuge? Who, who is a guy that can actually consistently play on the second line? And I'm glad to see Alex Chase on back. And I think he can play higher in the lineup when needed. I, I don't know if he's a consistent lock-it-down solution on uh, on the other second line. But but there are a lot of things I like about his game for sure. Uh, this texture says, uh, forget about golf. Try making hay this month. Well, fair comment, because of all the rain. Mm-hmm. A little soggy out there. And Michael says, you know why they call it golf? It's because the other four-letter words were already used up. That is a fair comment. It is 6:16. We have uh, Mark Letestu coming up, a guy who was popular during his brief tenure with the Oilers, was big during the season. The Oilers made the playoffs. He signs on with the Winnipeg Jets. Eskimos coaches show at 7-30. We're back after the break.
1: You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader 6:30. Chen. What's
3: this band again? Greta Van
2: Fleet. Greta Van Fleet. Great band Now, are they a flavor of the month, or are they going to have some staying power? No, they'll have some staying power, I think. They, the are, retro they have a couple in, so. of records, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> ah, all right. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 20 after 6. Uh, Blue Jays in tough today, trailing the Red Sox 7-1. That is in the third inning. The Edmonton Prospects back at it tonight, 7 o'clock at Remax Field. The Canada Day game went well for the Prospects last night. They won 10-2. Well, actually, 12-2. They won by 10. They won 12-2 over Moose Jaw. The Edmonton Stingers on home court Thursday against the Hamilton Honey Badgers. 7 o'clock tip at the Expo Center. Stingers are 6-4 and four in the season. Honey Badgers are 7-4. and four. And Team Brick Alberta, if you're uh, out Late shopping at the mall tonight, or you want a little uh, little evening hockey before bed? Eight fifty scheduled face off at the Ice Palace. Team Brick Alberta taking on Toronto Pro Hockey. Good early tournament showdown. Day two of the Brick Invitational. Both those teams coming in two and zero, and Toronto Pro Hockey a couple blowout wins already. So that'll be a good test for Team Brick Alberta, trying to win the tournament for the first time since 2009, which is the year all the kids currently on the team were born. Uh, That's always a fun event. Okay. Jeremy from Glendon texting in, who uh, he must be back home for the summer, I'm guessing, Kellen, probably in his luxury apartment inside the pierogi. Yep. He was attending, uh, I think he is attending post-secondary here in Edmonton. Got to uh, talk to Jeremy a few times in Studio 99 this season. Loyal listener, very astute sports fan. Writing in, hey, Reed. seems to me like Holland is taking chip shots instead of long drives to get out of the bad Shirely contracts. Awesome to have short contracts until we get clear of Koskinen, Lucic, and Russell, and we can afford some longer-term secondary players. Might be a couple of years of pain yet, though. That is Jeremy from Glendon. Ken Holland, by the way, I had that clip earlier. He was on Oilers now with Bob early. Today, and you can get that full interview by going to the Oilers Now page on six thirty chat I got some clips tonight, and Holland talked about avoiding overspending on free agency day.
1: Yeah, and I you know I think that uh, you know as you said on July first, I think some some long term signings work out, and some long term signings don't work out. And I think that where we are right now, um, we wanted to cr- to create more. Competition, uh, trying to sign players with a little more pace at the bottom part of the roster, trying to have more players to contribute to the offense. Uh, you, you know, you talked about Marcus Granlund. he had 19 goals three years ago, and I think two years ago, eight in about 55 games, and last year he had 12. So, you, you know, he's a guy, he's an example. We're hoping to get. Double-digit goals at a number of uh, a number of people. So you know, at the same time, we're trying to go forward here and have flexibility. We're we're excited about Mike Smith. Uh, Dave Tippett obviously was with him in in Dallas for a number of years. He's a real competitive uh, competitive guy. Uh, Koskinen's a competitive guy, and, and we're we're hoping and believing that those two guys are going to compete hard every day in practice and compete hard every, every day in a game. And our goaltending is going to be a a strength. Um, still got a couple more months before we get the training cap, and uh, going to continue to work the phones here to see what we can do to to try to add to the group a little bit. We don't have a ton of cap space, but we've got a little bit of cap space. Certainly, I'll, I'll explore the trade market as we go forward.
2: Yeah, and I think some sort of a trade is probably in the cards for Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, are, are they going to be able to do something with pooley Man, I don't know. That That's... <laughs> That's a tough one when I, I think a player goes down this road of, of taking such a hard line so relatively early in his, in his career. And, you know, it's tough when you come out and say you're, you're not going to play for the Oilers. And we've talked about this a lot. Yes, things should have been handled differently by the team. It's new people in those positions and still... You know, you got this player saying this. So I think any team trading for Pugliarvi, um I, I think they're still going to recognize that there's the potential for a player there, but maybe they're thinking like, oh, geez, why did... Why is the agent and the player already going down this road? Hall had a little bit more to say about RV today. I'm
1: not, I'm not going to do Jesse a favor just just because he doesn't want to play in, in, in Edmonton. Um, the deal has to make sense for the Edmonton Oilers and our team and and our fans and. Uh, um, Certainly, when when he comes out and says what he does, and you know, he had a bit of a tough year. Last, you know, what I think his first year, he had like 12, 11, 12 goals. And he was 19, 18 years of age and looked like he was going to, you know, on the way to fulfilling uh, the potential of uh, where he was selected in the uh, in the draft. Um, you know, I think everybody in, in, in hockey would have picked him somewhere between three and five. I mean, I, right. he was certainly one of the best top five players in his draft class. He's still 21 years of age, um, and he's, uh, he's a big guy, six foot three, six foot four, shoots right. And, and, and uh, so he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's got uh, some real stock in this industry now. We've got to figure out going forward uh, what that stock is as they talk to other teams. And if we don't find it something that uh, makes us happy, then Jesse's going to have to make a decision where he wants to play next
2: year. All right, and I mean that's Holland. Echoing himself, that he's not going to be pressured into anything. He will not make a trade just for the sake of making a trade. And then if he doesn't make a trade, and Puljuari really wants to go to Europe, the Holland's going to say, "Okay, go. That's that. That's fine. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to give you away. I'm still going to try to get something that'll help the Oilers." it's that, going to be a story. This whole situation with this uh, player has become. You know, I've, I've I've talked to a lot of people. I mean, you know, I. Like you know you work like we live in Canada, everybody knows somebody in the NHL or or knows somebody who knows somebody and, and working in the media you know you know players in the NHL and I've you know a couple of players have said to me like at some point the the player and the agent maybe have to accept some, some responsibility. And, and I think there's responsibility on both. It, it depends how you look at it. G- given where the Oilers have finished in the standings, uh, what are we at now, 12 out of the last 13 years? I mean, it's pretty easy to criticize everything they do. But I don't think the organization is totally to blame for what's happened with Puliarvi. Is, is there blame there? Uh, absolutely. But, you know, you still have an employee basically saying, I don't want to work for the company. You know, you you hired me and uh, maybe you didn't give me the best chance to succeed, so I'm just going to decide I'm not going to work for you. So that, that's kind of the situation Ken Holland is in. He's not the guy who hired the employee to begin with. All right, uh, you can always text 630-630. I'll try to get to a few more as we roll along tonight. A bit of an abbreviated show because Moss and Morley are in with the Eskimos Coaches Show at 730. We will connect with Mark Letestu. Former Bonneville Pontiac, former Edmonton Oiler, now signs on with the Winnipeg Jets. Says, uh, hey, Mark knows his, his playing days are probably winding down, and I, I would guess he's uh, thinking beyond them as well, even as he signs on with the Jets. So we will talk about that. We will also go to Callahoo and see what the scene was like there today as the Stanley Cup came to that community. All ahead on Inside Sports.
1: to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports.
2: Ooh, Def Leopard. July 29th is the concert. I will not be working that evening, Kelly. No It'd be a good show. Tesla's opening for him, right? Uh, is that? Yes, it is Tesla. Yeah. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is Inside Sports on 630 Ched. One hour from now, the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss and Morley Scott. Mark Letestu from Elk Point, Alberta. Had a tenure with the Edmonton Oilers, a career-high 16 goals, 35 points when the Oilers made the playoffs in 16-17. Eventually got traded by the Oilers to Nashville for Pontus Aberg. just minutes after that. This was 2018 trade deadline. He was traded to... uh, Columbus and wound up back in the Blue Jackets organization last season, has now signed a one year, two way contract with the Winnipeg Jets. And I'm pleased to welcome back to the show
3: Mark Latestu. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing well, enjoying uh, beautiful weather here in Ohio.
2: Oh, good stuff. It's not pouring rain every day, eh? <laughs>
3: no it's been uh, blistering hot it's been in the 90s last year. There's a lot of cool weather so the, the kids are happy right now
2: well sounds good and I'm sure you're happy as well you get the uh, new contract here with the with the Winnipeg Jets tell me a little bit about uh, this coming to be mark uh, I, I know we'll touch on maybe last season's journey as well but tell us how this came to came to be with the Jets today
3: well it just wanted well, you go through the the free agent process and I guess you try and find fits for for needs on both ends. Uh, it's obvious they're they're a team that that has uh, they're up against the cap. And they got a few couple big RFAs, and we, with cap teams now, uh, you have to find players that can come in and play roles for for around league minimum. And, and I'm hoping to be a player that can do that. And there's an opening there for me to to come in and compete for a spot. And the way that the leagues kind of, I guess changed is that there's places where veteran guys can compete for spots and there's places that they're really not welcome and and i just mean that by teams are rebuilding uh they're giving ice time an opportunity to to sub 30 players or entry-level guys and this is a team that's interested in in just finding role players and and a chance to win And, and i think i can be a part of that
2: well, and, and you, you, know, you make a good point about younger players and, and players who can come in on an entry-level contract and, and contribute too. They're always popular with general managers these days. So obviously you have to battle that perception. And, and Mark, maybe for you, I mean, you're known as an intelligent player as well and, and someone who can you know, work well with teammates and, and, and pass on the things you know. So, I mean, do you almost have to fight through that a little bit where it's like, yeah, I, I might be able to help with player development or coach someday, but I'm not there yet? Like, was that a perception you had to work past a bit?
3: Well, I think that was a lot of what I had to decide about this summer. Uh, there were some opportunities for me to to take more of the, the player development uh and be comfortable in just an American League situation. A lot of teams view me uh, that way. Uh, but I think where, where the differences are sometimes where the teams view the asset and where the player views the asset, and I think that's some of the difference. I, I still believe I can contribute, uh, and Winnipeg uh, felt the same. Uh, so I think that's where it matches up, and, that, and that's where you make your decision uh, that when, when views on, on who you are as a player and what you can bring match up, uh, that's where the fit comes
2: the Jets are uh, a very exciting team, you know, a, a pretty deep team and, uh, you know, a team that people see as, as being sort of here in a, a window to maybe do some damage. Though I know obviously this postseason didn't go uh, as they planned. They, they, they did have to part with Jacob Truba and we'll see what happens as they move forward here. But how do you view, uh, you know, where the Jets are at with some of the talent they have right now?
3: Well, I think they're, they're, I mean, from my view, I can't speak to the way the team views it, but the way I view it is they're, they're pretty set uh, as far as nine or ten players deep. Uh, it's a talented, talented team with a lot of established players uh, that play a lot of different roles. And there's not a lot of room for, in my view, a lot of younger players to, to break through and, and take ice time away from some of those guys. And I think that's, that's where a veteran player like myself can fit. Uh, where where I know I know exactly what I am, the team knows what I am, and there's a role to be filled there. And I think uh, like you said, I think they're they're close, uh, but they obviously have to get over the hump there. They're a team that uh, you know I'm excited to be a part of and excited to to help with that process. And as you can see, it doesn't uh, it doesn't take much. I don't think a lot of people had uh, St. Louis win it at the start, and sometimes when you catch lightning in a bottle and a team takes off, uh, special things can happen.
2: Mark Letestu joining us on Inside Sports. The former Oilers Center signs on with the Winnipeg Jets today. You know, last season, Mark, you wound up playing uh, 64 games in the AHL with Cleveland. You got in two with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the the fall actually started for you uh, going into Florida on a tryout contract where it it looked like there was a a promising opportunity there, and they they wound up letting you go. Um, You know, hey, I mean, you're used to dealing with uncertainty in your career, but, but how did last year's journey feel maybe? compared to uh, other times in your career?
3: It was was another lesson. Uh, You know, I'd never been through a a tryout situation. I had a contract going into camp. And, uh, you know, so that was different, going somewhere with a lot of uncertainty and, and, you know, learning a lesson there that, Uh, sometimes you have to do more in camp, I just didn't do enough and and Florida obviously they they saw that there's opportunities that need to be given to other players uh, and that I would have been in the way with that and it it just didn't work out Uh, but uh, I guess fortunately enough for me uh, Columbus felt that that I could come in and help, uh, especially in the minor leagues uh, where where they have a lot of young players and they're trying to develop uh, and try and I guess have an example down there as, as what it's to be uh, a good pro and be prepared every day. And then I kind of took on that challenge. Uh, so obviously it's not the league you want to play in, uh, but I think there's, there's benefits and lessons in, in every situation, uh, you know, not only for myself, uh, but for the people around me, I know for myself uh, to go back to that league after nine years and, and score it, at basically the same rate that I did, uh, You know, when I was 24, it was was an accomplishment for myself. Uh, So, you know, I was happy to prove that I could still contribute at that level and play a big role, but at the same time uh, pass on some lessons to some younger players and watch some of my teammates go up and and do well in the the NHL was, was also as gratifying.
2: Mark, you referenced St. Louis winning the Stanley Cup, taking on Boston in the final, and obviously both teams have some skill. But that was a, a pretty hard-hitting series, and uh, it, it was funny. A couple of people said to me, sort of, the, the tables might have been turned a little bit on on Boston because they were used to being the bullies, and, and maybe they were pushed around a bit in that series. I'm just wondering where you see the game. You know, you've 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 played close to 600 NHL games and you've been out there through this evolution of faster, faster players coming into the league. You, you played with the, the current fastest with Connor McDavid, uh, yet when it came to the playoffs, there was still a, a lot of bruising and a, and a lot of forechecking. So, I mean, where is where is the the game? How do you see the, the speed versus brawn contrast, if, if if that's a way to put it?
3: Well, it's certainly faster. Uh, you know, and I think we see that at at various times the playoff is even another level of speed uh but i that that seems to be the 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 skill set people look for now when they talk about players you know whether whether he's fast or not uh and at times it seems to trump other skill sets you know there's still i guess speed isn't exactly a a precursor to, to productivity it's just it's not a, it's not a guarantee if you're fast or you're productive and I think that uh, teams with the ability to play fast, you mentioned uh, four-check, the the structure that each team played with in that finals uh, allowed them to be fast and allowed them to that physical game, people were just on top of each other. Uh, it's just the details and the structure of it. It wasn't uh, so much just guys flying around 100 miles an hour and, and you know running into car crashes. It was it was structured and it was it was thought out and it was strategy. And uh, you know St. Louis is obviously the victor of, of that strategic uh, battle.
2: Okay, and and tying this all together a little bit, the uh, Oilers were last in the playoffs when you were on the team, and Pat Maroon was on the Edmonton Oilers. He was huge that year with 27 goals, and you got to see him uh, win a Stanley Cup with the Blues. And, you know, after Pat went through some uh, uncertainty of his own, having to be, uh, you know, getting traded, being a free agent, and having some injuries to work through, uh, uh, like I said, Pat was a big part of that uh, Oilers playoff year uh, three years ago, so what was it like for you to see him win the Cup?
3: Well, I think you know, as a teammate, uh, you feel great for for Patty. Uh, but I think he, even as a casual fan, uh, he's got such a such kind of a cool story to follow that you you had not you couldn't feel anything but happy for him. Uh, you know, he probably went through free agency at the time uh, last year and, and probably didn't get the deal he wanted, and and ended up going home uh, to be close to his boy and then it turns into a Stanley Cup for him, and now he gets to share that with his home community. Uh, I mean, anybody that knows Pat, uh, you, you have to feel, feel good for the guy. He's, he's an emotional guy, uh, and to see him win and, and get to share that with everybody and his family at home, uh, it's got to be a pretty cool moment for him and, and pretty proud of him uh, as a friend.
2: Well, Mark, good for you Get the new deal with the Jets. Uh, I know people in Edmonton and Northern Alberta are happy to hear from you. Obviously, you have a lot of family and friends and fans here. So thanks so much for checking in. I know we'll talk again this summer. Have a good one.
3: I appreciate it. See you around.
2: That is Mark Letestu checking in now of the Winnipeg Jets. Gets a one-year, two-way deal today. And as he discussed there, perhaps could have had some opportunities in other teams to go more into a player development role. He still wants to play, still wants to play in the NHL, and he will push for that at the age of 34. So a one-year deal, two-way, with the Winnipeg Jets organization for Mark Letestu. And he said it there about speed. And that's something I would emphasize. Obviously... Speed is very important in the National Hockey League. You know, when you talk about a player now, that's often the first thing that is mentioned. How well does he skate? How fast is he? Very important. But as Mark said, you have to have some other skill. You have to have the finish to go along with it. And the Oilers had a pretty fast player last year. And he didn't score any goals. So, you know, you got to... Yes, you got to be able to move the puck. You have to be able to get to the puck. And and as Mark also said, when you talk about the forecheck, the speed is important, but the structure is also very important. Are you... Yes, you got to get there quickly. Are you getting to the right spot? Are you reading the play? Are you anticipating the play properly? Are you reading off your teammates? Are are you getting there quick enough to actually hem the other team in and create a problem? It's great to get somewhere quickly, but if you're in the wrong spot or if you're not in a spot to disrupt the play, uh, then you're not putting your speed to good use. So something to remember, too, as the Oilers try to add some fast players. All right, Blue Jays trailing the Red Sox 7-1 in the top of the fifth. Callahu got an up-close look at the stand
3: hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. Only Cup.
2: We will talk to a man who was there when we get back.
1: You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
2: Bermuda Boy. Checking in tonight, texting 630-630. Says, Mark Letestu, a pro and a class act. Let's hope Yessi puli is listening. And Bermuda, Bermuda Boy goes on to say Latestu will coach in the NHL someday. Uh, I would say that is a possibility. A possibility. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he winds up in a player development role when he's done playing. He's going for at least one more year here. Uh, I think teams uh, around the NHL uh, value... What Mark could bring as a, as as a mentor and a guy who had to work for every game he has got in the NHL to this point, and who knows, maybe that could develop into something coaching as well. Bermuda boy, thank you very much for listening tonight. Okay, well the Stanley Cup. Uh, by the way, Colton Pareko has the Stanley Cup in Edmonton and St. Albert tomorrow. So uh, who knows if you're at a if you're at a certain hockey tournament, it it may show up sometime between 11 and noon. I'll just I'll just leave it at that and uh, that's going to be a public thing, a lot going on privately for Colton with his family and friends, so pretty cool day for him. Today, Craig Berube, the head coach of the St. Louis Blues, took the Stanley Cup to his hometown of Callahoo, and we go out there now and we uh, talk to Mark Berglund. Mark, thanks for checking in. How are you doing? Good, Reed. Thanks. Great to be on your show. Yeah, it's great to be on your show. So tell us uh, your role in the Calhoun uh, hockey community, Mark. Who do you coach? I coach the
4: CR Knights uh bantam team.
2: The CR Knights bantam so I'm going to uh I'm going to assume here Callahoo has just one team for every age group or they maybe have more at the younger levels.
4: It all depends on the season. Uh sometimes we have three teams. Sometimes we have two. Just all depends on the
2: numbers. So what is the uh I'm kind of putting you on the spot here but Calahu itself a lot of people have learned today that its population is 85, but it's it's a rural community, so I assume there's probably several hundred families, though, and, and young hockey players that would be eligible to play for Kalahoo?
4: Yes, that's right. We uh, we amalgamated with uh, River Kabar about uh, uh, 2014, just for uh, numbers, so it really, really helped out the organization, and uh, it's been thriving ever since.
2: Well, that's good to hear. Now, tell me, uh, you you were there today. I'll, I'll just kind of let you put it in your own words. Can you describe the scene with everybody being there today and when uh, Barubi walks into the arena with the Stanley Cup?
4: Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty incredible just watching all those kids with those smiles on their faces. It was uh, really special. And it was unbelievably selfish, uh, you know, a thing for Craig to do to just to take the time and and spend the day like that in this community was just just priceless
2: well and seeing all those all those kids with the Stanley Cup and you know, I, I I grew up in a in a small place. I mean, Evansburg's about 1,000 people. And before that, for a couple of years, my family lived in a place called Alder Flats, which I think was around 80, 85 people when we lived there. I don't know right. what it's like now. So, uh, you know, it's pretty cool when something like that happens. Uh, and, and uh, Mark, you work with young people. Just for the, the youngsters to see that achieving something incredible is possible no matter where you're from.
4: Yeah, exactly. It just... You know, all those little guys are, are a bunch of dreamers, and, and that's what they want to do when they're at that age. They they want to be a hockey player. And just to have a glimpse of that, it just prolongs that dream for them that much more. And, and it's just so
2: special for those kids. Special for the adults too. Let's be honest here, Mark. We, we, we think yeah. it's pretty cool. <laughs> what, what was it like for you to be that close to the Stanley Cup?
4: Oh, it was it was fantastic. I think I was smiling as much as those kids but i for one i didn't touch that cup just for the fact that uh, i still have uh no aspirations of one day being drafted at 44 <laughs> That's i just awesome. didn't want to
2: <laughs>
4: jinx myself <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love how you say that. I I'm forty five and I always joke with my friends. I'm gonna get that Masters invite someday. They're gonna think <laughs> yeah, they want right. me in the tournament. But <laughs> yeah. Mark Berglund joining us today from uh from Callahoo coaches Bantam hockey there as uh Craig Baruby took the Stanley Cup there today. Well Craig obviously uh you know, talked and got to mingle. Any, anything he said or anything he did today that really stood out to you? Uh
4: yeah, yeah, just, just the way that he interacted with everybody and Uh, his just his heart he's just got such a a, an open heart for everybody and it's just uh it's really mind-blowing uh just the way he comes across he's just such a gentleman and and and, uh just everything about him he's just just a superhuman being
2: well he certainly got his players to to play for him we all know about the big turnaround yes take me a little bit into the the calahoo community obviously you know, close to Edmonton in northern Alberta, so I'm going to assume the Oilers are, are very popular, but did the Blues uh, quickly become an, an adopted team? What was it like in Callahoo watching the Blues progress through the playoffs?
4: Oh, immediately. As soon as they made the playoffs there, there were viewing parties all over the place, and I'm pretty sure that there was a few days of, of missed work uh, thereafter, too. There was a lot of... Uh, a lot of celebration.
2: Yeah, I bet. Well, he, he he's a great story, and uh, yes. you know, I, I love I love the small town stories, and and I I know how tight knit those communities can be, and I'm sure, Mark, you can tell me here just about how minor hockey, the hockey teams, bring people together. And I imagine if if you were to identify a gathering place in a town of 85 people, it's probably off in the hockey rink where people can get together
4: that's exactly it that's where we've met all of our friends in this area you know we moved out here 10 years ago and we put our boy into hockey and it's just been a blessing ever since people out here are just just incredible people
2: yeah i i I hear that for sure well this is this is great for callahoo and it's so cool that Craig, uh, go. I mean, what? We're only about two and a half weeks removed from winning the Stanley Cup, but he's he's right out yeah. there. And I mentioned pareco is is here tomorrow in Edmonton and St. Albert. So this yeah. is a a fun time to celebrate some guys who have gone on to big things. Uh so yeah, what? Sure. So are you coaching again next in in the fall? What's going on with you, Mark? Yeah, I should be
4: should be uh, coaching next year here coming up, and uh, hope to have a good season,
2: a good turnout of boys. So looking Did- forward to it. Does who have know. a rival community? Uh, for
4: a while, I believe it was uh, we'd
2: always be in tough with Onaway
4: there for a while.
2: Oh, nice. But
4: uh, yeah, we're we're pretty much all over the place here with uh, the league that we're in.
2: So it, uh, there's many, many rivalries. That's that's for sure. That's cool. Well, Mark, thanks for uh, letting us know what happened today in Calhoun. That is awesome. Uh, all the best with minor hockey there. I hope it keeps going strong. Thanks so much for checking in on Inside Sports tonight. Yeah,
4: thanks, Reed. And I do believe that the Oilers are going to make a real good push for the uh, playoffs this year, too.
2: Well, I hope you're right, buddy. I'd love to see <laughs> him in the postseason again. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. As Mark Berglund checking in from Callahoo Minor Hockey. So, really appreciate him being available tonight, letting us know what went down with Craig Barubi being there with the Stanley Cup. Uh, that, that is just some fun stuff. St. Louis Blues uh, are a great story, and they, they clearly won a lot of people over and some great Alberta connections uh, with Pareco, with Barubi, and of course, Jay Bomeister, who is from Edmonton. We are coming up to the 7 o'clock news. You can always text 630 630 780 496 0063 is the open line number. And Jamie and I will check in. He used to work here at six thirty, Chad. Now a host of the Green Zone on CJME Radio in Regina. We will, uh, well, we'll go a few different areas with Jamie. Probably some hockey, probably some football, maybe even some Gainer the Gopher and his controversial makeover.
1: Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.